Yay! You made it to another episode of the Weekend Hustle podcast. My name is Shelby Oleschlager, and I'll be your host as we dive into barrel racers, athletes, and just people of the world to share, motivate, and inspire us all to be the best that we can be. Together, we can hustle. All right, Kelly, so we're just going to get right into it. So as a trainer, I have looked up to you so much and everything you've done. And every time I hear someone that they've been saying they've been getting help, your name often comes up into that person that has helped these people. So one question I want to ask you right off the bat is when you see riders, if you're helping them, is there a certain common mistake that you see across the field? And what type of advice would you give those people? I feel like the common mistake that I see people make is not trusting their process. Okay. Um, for me, I think that that is key to your success. And I see a lot of the younger trainers, especially, and some of the older trainers as well, when they get to a competition, they start second guessing their process. And I, and I think that they sell themselves short by doing that. Right. So what exactly, like just to elaborate more, what would that look like for someone? Like what would you like them to rather do with when they go to a competition? Like what should their mindset be, would you say? Well, first of all, I think your mindset should be that if you didn't bring it with you, <laughs> you're not going to find it there. Right. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that people need to keep in mind. And the other side of that is um, – there's such a broad um, spectrum of success through through so many and for so many trainers. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it is extremely important to stick to your foundation when you mm -hmm. get to a competition. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's extremely important not to switch bits, not to change the way you're tra you've trained your horse because all of that personal insecurity reflects into your horse and creates insecurity within them. Absolutely. I can definitely relate to that. You, you go to a race and you're watching people and you think, oh, that looks really good. I really like what they're doing. Let me try and implement it right before my run. Do you like to watch people when they're working their horses to like gather insight or would you kind of suggest maybe steer, steer away from everyone before you run, like just to get more tunnel vision? Is that kind of what you would say, like keep away from everything? Well, personally, and with the people that I have the most respect for, they have their set process. Mm -hmm. I have my set process. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to change it mm -hmm. by watching other people because I believe in what I do and mm -hmm. my horses reflect my faith in my process. And, and there's a handful of trainers that have that same um, tenacity within themselves to stick with it. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't look to the right or the left. You know, there's there's also a biblical aspect to this about it talks about in the Bible, don't look to the right or to the left, just look straight ahead. Um, so I think that it's extremely important to just do what you know works for you and stick with your process. Yeah, I makes me think because this honestly relates so much to myself that I'm going through right now is that exact thought where you train well, you go to a show and probably yeah not trusting yourself enough or trusting your process and I can you can just imagine all the setbacks and the lack of confidence like you said how it affects your horses what happens when if you feel like your process isn't working like 
we're going deep right now, but like when you feel like I'm trusting my process, I'm trying, but maybe there's missing gaps. How do we overcome that type of that mental hurdle of like trying to trust the process, but maybe it's just, it isn't clicking. The process will always click if you stick to it and you keep it simple for your horse. For me, I do not, ever doubt what I do and Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody thinks Mm -hmm. I'm there to create the best individual I can create with the talent the knowledge and the skill that I have and I just stick to my process and it comes through and I think the biggest problem with the younger generation of, of trainers is they have the perspective of our whole society, which is instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And that is not going to happen with every horse. It just isn't. And you have to be willing to look like a fool to stick with your process. You have to be willing to take those setbacks and know what you're doing is going to work in the end. Mm -hmm. Each horse is going to take it differently, but I do the same thing at the same place on every single horse. Mm -hmm. And there's a handful of trainers that do that, that I have the utmost respect for their horsemanship and their skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I watch them work their horses? Nope. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. I do not watch them work their horses. I don't watch anybody else work their horses because I know what works for me. I know what works naturally for a horse and I'm not going to change my process. I'm just not going to do it. I am 50 years old now. I've been training for the public since I was 11 and I was given the opportunity to ride with the most phenomenal horse women in the barrel horse industry that literally pioneered it. Yeah. that literally pioneered the inside rein theory because there was a time when they ran the barrels with one hand and never switched. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to, to get guidance from such amazing riders as Dale Urey. Well, I don't even know if a lot of these young people understand what Dale Urey did for our industry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So I'm not going to change my process. I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to encourage every person that I come in contact with to trust their process. If I can give them a tip or help them develop their process, I'm going to do it because I've had the opportunity to be given so much knowledge from so many amazing people and I want to give that back to the next generation. Wow. That is so powerful. I absolutely love that. Just you, yeah, you learn from them. And then you, and to me, I completely relate to that. Just when I, before we started recording, I was telling you how I was in South Dakota working for some trainers and I fell in that trap of not trusting my process and trusting what I knew almost. And I want to almost say it's a bit of like your own intuition and it's your own style that like, to me, that's how Mm -hmm. I resonate with what you're saying is trusting what you're doing. So with your process, can you elaborate what that actually looks like? Um, For me, it's really about doing the same thing at the same place every time and keeping it as simple for the horse as possible. Um, I I can't make it any more plain than that. Uh, I, I think that it is extremely important to create desire in these animals to do this job. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, 
the way you create that is simplicity and a reward system. And I think that's so important. If you're getting a futurity horse, do you, so first question that I'm not sure, do you start your own horses or do you send them out if you're getting something ready for futurity? I do not start my own colts anymore. Um, And I have to tell you, I'm glad that I don't. Yeah, it's like a whole nother Um, deal. It's that is a whole nother ball of worms that I'm really (laughs) glad that I'm not doing anymore. Yeah. Um, One, because I had a severe injury and Mm. two, because you can't put the time in breaking starting two-year-olds and be riding your three-year-olds and keep what's going for the current fraternity year going. I think Mm -hmm. it's really important for you to have a team and have somebody that can Mm -hmm. start your Colts for you and, and and put the feel in them that you want. And, And I have that. I have a great team behind me now, um, with my Colt starter, with my vet, with my farrier, with my physical therapy, um, you know, rehab people. I have a phenomenal group of people behind me that allow me to be successful and Mm -hmm. and help me stay at a level I want to be at. Yeah, absolutely. It does take a full team. And I definitely do want to talk about some of your therapies that you believe in and those type of aspects of like the horse's actual health and making them the best performer there can be. But to stay on this topic just about with your futurity colts, what do you really look for when you're getting your horses ready for the big futurity? I'm just kind of wondering almost what is your fin- what do you want your finished product to really be like or feel like? Well, feel is something that you can't truly relate. So for me, um, I want my cult to be confident, mm-hmm. to come through that gate knowing exactly where they're going and barring any unsoundness issues or any unforeseen circumstances, perform at a level of confidence. Yeah, that That's my biggest thing. And that's what I look for the most in them is to, for them to be able to perform with a level of confidence uh, within themselves that I've encouraged them to develop. Right, right. To this topic, back to the one-handed riding, I'm really curious. Are you a believer in one-handed riding and training one-handed or just competing? I absolutely, I, I absolutely am. And I can assure you there is only a handful of us Really, I can probably only think of one other person and a few people that I'm helping and have Mm -hmm. helped that will actually ride one-handed to the third barrel. Yeah. And the amazing thing about riding one-handed to the third barrel is you never take your horse's feet away from them, and it takes a three-step turn into a two-step turn, uh, which is extremely quick. Um, I think it's extremely important when you're training your horses to train them exactly the way you plan to compete. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I ride to the first barrel two-handed. I sit down, I drop my outside rein, and I go around the barrel with one hand. Does this mean there isn't a time and a place for me in my process training to pick up two reins and change some things? No. But my main focus is to ride that horse and, and have that horse confident in going around a barrel with one rein. Obviously, anybody that has had 
a long-term training career understands that there's a time and a place for different things, but my foundation is one-handed. I ride two-handed to the second, drop my outside rein, go around the turn with one hand. I stay one-handed to the third barrel. One thing I think that training this way and competing this way and and training the way you compete is I hit very few barrels, Mm -hmm. very few barrels. I have horses that can manage both uh, at the jackpot level and then move into the rodeo level because they have a degree of confidence within themselves Mm -hmm. that I believe comes from that style of training. Yeah. Wow. I I love hearing that because I agree fully. I learned that a few summers ago about just the importance and the power of one-handed riding. And it's made a huge difference kind of like with most every aspect. And I kind of like that idea of just taking it a step further in my head of really having the end goal in mind and working backwards of how are you going to run and train for that. And I think that might be a big missing gap for a lot of people is realizing or understanding like what is and again with the process what's your plan right like what is the right. plan that you plan to actually get that result so when um when you're getting ready for a futurity let's say what is your game plan to set your horse up for the most success just kind of walk us through that either from like a month before a really big race, the year before, the week before, like what really do you want your horses to be like and just how do you get them ready for that big competition? Well, first of all, I have to tell you that in everything that I do, my end goal is always to have a horse that'll move past where we're at right now to be a rodeo horse. That is my end goal. So I always have the finish in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I kind of relate it to is um, Hollywood directors write the ending of their movie first, okay. and then they write to that ending. Hmm. That's how I keep it in mind for me. My ending, my highest goal, my desire, I love rodeo barrel racing horses. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. And that's always my end goal. So through my process, as I've told you already a couple of times, Mm -hmm. I stick with the process. When you stick with the process, you may go to two or three fraternities and not win anything, but you, and you're not taking it personal. You're letting your horse develop. Well, a perfect example of that is, is Tibby. Yeah. She was not great at the beginning of her fraternity year. And then she won one fraternity. And then we fell at Fort Smith. And then we came back and won second at a fraternity. And then she won six fraternities in a row. <laughs> but in between all of that, I never changed my process when I went to Arizona and we won a check in the 2D. Yeah. I didn't change my process when we didn't win anything because my end goal was the rodeo. And and so I can't reiterate to you enough, stick with your process and let your horse develop. Yeah. Let them develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody wants this quick now reward. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at it that way. I look at what am I willing to give up right now to have what I want most? So am I willing to humble myself and go 
let this horse run its race and get better and better and better. And yeah, I might not win a check, but then I place and then I place again and then I place again and then I win. Mm -hmm. For me, that's how I look at things. I want to write my story from the ending back and 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 that's how i look at it and i don't change that process it doesn't fit everyone and it doesn't fit every owner and that's okay mm -hmm. there are people out there that their process is i want to win now at this fraternity and and that's okay too mm -hmm. because that's their process yeah but then I guess looking at the big picture, what do you maybe sacrifice to get that one win right now? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that there's a sacrifice if you over push your horse or you start losing the foundation because you, you know, you started. I don't do that because yeah. I'm not going to put my Colts in that position. Yeah. I, I want to create a confident individual with a fortitude and a longitude in their career. And so some of these questions that you're asking me, they really don't apply to my program because I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm not. Yeah. Um, but this is just so refreshing though, to hear this from someone as respected as you in the industry, because I feel like that might, at least for me and where I am, I don't see that as the most common practice and especially you kind of you are what you see and like when you're watching that stuff it's just really refreshing to hear you say all this and I really hope people listening get something from me answering or asking these questions and you totally debunking the theory because you're like that's not what I do and that is amazing really. well for me again like I expressed to you earlier yeah. I have had the opportunity to ride with the most phenomenal horsewomen barrel racers yeah there's ever been in history. I got to ride with Wanda Bush. Wanda Bush literally pretty much invented barrel racing. Mm -hmm. And first and foremost, she was a horsewoman, yeah. a horseman. Yeah. I got to live, work, breathe, walk, ride every day with Celie Whitcomb Ray. Wow. Celie was a horseman first. I mean, these women had their foundation yeah. in horsemanship and yeah. then they were barrel racers. You know, Wanda rode cutters. She showed horses. Celie Whitcomb Ray showed horses. She rode rainers. She 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 had a horsemanship foundation. Mm -hmm. um, Martha Wright, mm -hmm. Jimmy Gibbs Monroe. These are the women that helped me create my foundation. And Allen Gaylor. And Allen Gaylor invented the inside rain theory. She was the first person to switch hands. She changed the whole industry. Oh my goodness. I, I got to, Allen Gaylor bought one of the very first horses I ever trained and took, I was 11 years old mm -hmm. and she took that horse immediately to the pro rodeos and started winning on him. And at mm -hmm. that point, the only person I'd ever talked to in my life about rail racing was my mom, mm -hmm. who is a horseman. Okay. And Dale Urey had an article in Western Horseman Magazine, and I read that, and I snuck downstairs in our house, and, and I got in serious trouble for this because, one, the kids didn't get to use the phones then, and two, I made a long-distance phone call and because and, I had a really cool horse that I couldn't get to turn the first barrel, and I called Dale Urey, wow. and, and he was so kind to me, 
And he told me, stop that horse at the barrel, stick its butt in the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped that horse at a barrel two or three times. She started raiding. I started winning, <laughs> you know, winning at the 4-H and, yeah. and local jackpot level. But but that was a, a turning point for me. And um, I just think that so much horsemanship has been lost through the last decade because there's this instant gratification that our whole society has fallen into. And and I think now you're going to see a resurgence of, of horsemanship. I think this younger generation is going to change that and they're wanting to change that. And they're mm -hmm. seeing what the, what the horsemanship aspect of it creates for the longevity of the career of the horse, as well as the rider. And, and a perfect example of that mm -hmm. is Lisa Lockhart. Mm -hmm. She's timeless because her horsemanship is great. Yeah. Sherry Servi, she's timeless because her horsemanship is great. Um, if if you look at the newer generation, Haley Kinzel, yeah. great horsemanship, great horsemanship. And and I, 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 of course, have to be a fan. I don't have to, but I am a fan of my own daughter and her horsemanship. But that was drilled into her. Yeah. yeah. Because that has always been my foundation huh. is horsemanship. Whoa, said some really <laughs> a lot of things I want to add to and ask about the one being you making that phone call. Has that always been like you just of like a real big seeker of knowledge? Like, how did you start working with all these incredible horsewomen? I fell in love with barrel horses mm -hmm. and I've never been I am very much a private person, but I'm not somebody that is afraid to visit with somebody. Uh, I don't know how, if that makes sense or not, but, uh, if I want to know something, I'm going to ask and I'm not going to listen around for information. I'm going to go to the source that I think has the true information that I'm seeking. And, and I've been that way. I've, I've also been extremely strong willed my entire life. Um, I have huge faith in what God has given me and what I can do. And to develop that, uh, I, you, you have to be fearless. And you can't care what anybody else thinks because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's what you think of what you're doing and what you're putting out there. And that's what you've got to be proud of. And that kind of goes back to what we initially talked about, just if you're overcoming a rut and stuff of just, you know, what's best for you and not looking left and right. And just knowing that yep. you're on the right path and stick to it, stick to that path. Because, you know, eventually, Absolutely. Like, if, you, if you keep doing it, you're going to have your time and it's going to probably, yep. you know, be way more worth it or just more how it should be and you know not forced not rushed but just proper like you said solid foundation and that is the longevity of probably you and your horse both if you view it like that and you approach it in that way well from a mental aspect for yourself mm -hmm. there is no better way yeah. because it creates self-confidence mm -hmm. And and to have that, you have to look within. Nobody's going to give that to you from the outside. Yeah, You have to look within yourself and you have to decide, mm -hmm. I'm going to be a winner. 
these are the sacrifices I'm going to make. And if it takes this long, if it takes that long, it doesn't matter. What matters is what is, what do I want most? And then I'm going to do what it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. Was there, um, with like the whole setback thing or just the confident thing, was there a big turning point for you to kind of get that mindset of everything you're saying? I'm so willful. Mm -hmm. um, my parents can attest to that <laughs> from me growing up. I'm sure. And people that actually um, are very, what I consider true friends, they understand I am very willful mm -hmm. and I am very tunnel vision. So when I make my mind up, when I determine how I'm going to do something, I don't deviate. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't like that. And that's something that about me that turns a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with it, even to the point where it at times has caused some issues between my children and I. Mm -hmm. But I don't deviate from that process. And that process has allowed both my daughters to have a great deal of success in their rodeo careers. And genetically, they, all three of my children have inherited that exact trait. <laughs> and I think it's made all three of them successful. It's a big part is just being, to me, the word that comes to mind is just gritty with kind of your thought and what, like you're determined. Once you set your mind to something, there's no wavering. Is that kind of yep. about right? Yeah. It, yep. all, it all comes back to just following the process and sticking true to yourself and really doing that. So the one question I do have is just that instance, like, was there the really big obstacle that really, I guess, was that turning point, like a clicking aha moment for you? Or was it just like you said, something that you've always just had and possessed? Like what I want to know, I guess my question is, what do you think is like the characteristics or personality traits of that winner? Like, all like all those names you dropped of those women and trainers that are just phenomenal horsemen, what are those characteristics that you think are the most valuable that have made them where they are? Well, I think the biggest thing is what I've already spoke to you about. Mm -hmm. None of them changed their process. Okay. No matter who was around, they never changed their process. Mm -hmm. They did it a certain way. And that way worked and they could teach that way. And it worked for other people as well. Mm -hmm. And, and all of them, all of them unequivocally were gritty people, yeah. gritty to the core. Mm -hmm. And that, that includes my mom, who's been the, one of the hugest impacts on my horsemanship my entire life. One of the most driven, focused, level-headed follow the process people I've ever met in my life. And um, I just think that that in itself is key. I, I think that's the biggest key. Um, and, and for those women that I've spoken of, uh, they always put their horses first. Um, they, not one of those women, with the exception maybe of Aline, um, Aline did have some insecurities within herself, but they all put their horses first and, and, and that's what made their horses great and winners at every level. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to fraternities with Celie when I was young and literally I can tell you, we would go to three or four fraternities and her Colts would not win a dime. 
and she never snatched them. She never stuck them in the ground. She never jerked their head around. Mm. She never went out and worked them in the warm-up pen. She just came back the next day and tried to add to it. Yeah. And one of the phrases, which wasn't around then, was literally 1% every day. In 100 days, the horse is 100% better. Mm. Well, you can't get that 1% if you're mashing on them. Yeah. Because you're trying to go from 1% to 30%. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a baby. Yep. And, and you know, they didn't have that saying back then, but that's what I saw with Seeley. That's what I saw with Wanda. That's what I saw with Jimmy Monroe. Um, it, it's just every day, just a little better, methodical, methodical. Yeah. Um, and none of those women took any of it personally. You know, it. this was what they did. It is not who they are. Mm-hmm. And a bit of the problem with today's society is, is it, it's, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do not resi- resonate with that at all. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what I do. Um, and there's a handful of trainers that I see that in and I respect, um, because of that yeah and also just thinking of let's say pressure in a situation I felt that where I felt my value and self-worth was in the arena and if you didn't perform that way it was just a really negative experience so when you switch your thoughts to being like this is what I'm doing it doesn't justify who I am as a person and it just adds a lot of unnecessary pressure for yourself to prove yourself um do you have anything to add to that just of having maybe the pressure in the competition i think one way to take the pressure off is to stop looking at the outcome of the run Mm. and perform ride to the barrel go around the barrel ride to the barrel go around the barrel you Mm. keep it methodical you keep it slow in your head and you perform you dance you just do Mm. your job the outcome always takes care of itself. Mm. I can give you so many examples where people started focusing on the outcome and, and have destroyed, destroyed the outcome because instead of doing their methodical process, they started looking at the outcome. And when you take your eye off the process and put your eye on the outcome, for lack of a better word, and this is graphic, you fuck up the outcome. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so y- you have to stick with the process and you have to perform. And, yeah. and you just do that by slowing it down in your head. Yeah. You just slow it down. And it's this simple. Ride to the barrel, go around the barrel. Ride to the barrel, go around the barrel. Mm-hmm. Ride to the barrel, go around the barrel. Um, that's something that, that Ivy and I worked on over and over and over. And if you watch her in the alleyway, you can see her talking to herself and she's telling herself just that ride to the barrel, go around the barrel, ride to the barrel, go around the barrel. Um, that was the same thing I worked with, with Paige. And there's so many tools out there now that are available to people to help you mentally get to the next level because there are so many great athletes Mm -hmm. that are willing to share their information with you. But the bottom line of every one of them is follow the process Mm 
Yeah. And the outcome takes care of itself. Mm. Love that. End of story. Yeah. It's that simple. Actually, it makes me think I have a book club and we were reading this book about it's called With Winning in Mind and they talk about have a winning performance and that's it. Only focus on having the performance good. Don't think about winning change it to a winning performance and just having a good performance no outcome thought because yes that is where i think everyone screws up and how can you be present when you're that is one of the most fantastic books ever written and i recommend (laughs) it over and over and over to people yes it is great i was recommended it by joy wargo and so we're like let's do a book club and honestly it was such a powerhouse of a book so people listening with winning in mind by Lanny something. I'll share. Lenny Brashan. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Lenny Brashan. Yeah. Such a good it's a book. It's a phenomenal book. Yeah. Like just from the first page, pretty much, it was just like, wow, there's so much value. And the thing also that you just said about how there's so much information out, which I almost find it a little overwhelming, like all the content. And that's where I think just the trial and error and experiencing or just you know, you're going to figure out what works best for you. you I'm not talking about training information. I'm talking about performing information. And, and my point in that is, is the bottom line of all of those books is following your process Mm -hmm. and being process oriented Yeah, and, and dancing the dance steps that you've been practicing and not worrying about the outcome. Because if you dance, your dance, the outcome takes care of itself. Unequivocally, without question, it takes care of itself, period. Yeah. yeah. I love, <laughs> oh, that's just so good. You're so right. And looking back, actually, a lot of the self-help books, it pretty much is just about that, your own, what you're doing. And that's something for myself personally. I hope other people listening resonate with that idea. And I love you saying dance, the dance, like that is super powerful. So with your, uh, one thing that made me think of is, you know, when you're getting ready or something, what, do you have a specific, uh, like a warm up process with your horses or just like for you to come, you to get ready for your run? What is that? What does that little process look like? Is it always the same? That's no different than the process that I do at home, getting ready to, to do any kind of work with them. I don't change anything okay whatever whatever i have developed for my process i don't change it at lazy e from my pasture right it's the same i do my little set of exercises Mm -hmm. i open my horse up and move him around and then i let him relax till it's Mm -hmm. time to run it's that simple for me yeah. So you want your horses a lot more like really calm. Is there a happy balance of them being alert and ready to work or them being calm? Um, they feel your body. Like yeah. there's no, there's no major mental deal to this. Um, really, truly, we're not doing rocket science. <laughs> um, these horses feel us when we get ready yeah. and they get ready. Yeah. If they know their job, and and they're confident in their job. Yeah. They're ready when you're ready. That's if you've point. done your homework, if you've followed your process, if you've properly prepared yourself, mm-hmm. you don't worry about those things. Right. 
this is it's so true like like hearing you actually say that I'm kind of a little mind blown of like it's not that complicated if you don't let it be that complicated and that's the bottom line (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) which it's kind of funny like just even hosting a podcast it's like I have all these questions of like things we need to debunk and figure out and you're just kind of saying like yeah it's not like it that shouldn't be even a thing that you should be focused on probably right right yeah that's uh a good way to look at it when you're getting ready for your run you just have other things going on and you know you're focusing on so moving forward I did have a couple audience questions that some people did reach out to me that I definitely wanted to ask you as someone that's very big into like just the breeding and bloodlines when you're choosing a stallion what is something that you look for like what makes the best breeding for a good barrel horse in your opinion in my opinion, I like it maternal, 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 maternal <laughs> for generations. Yeah. Okay. That's what I look for. Yeah. Um, my personal program is based around a localized horses from the area of Colorado that I grew up in. Yeah. And those horses have literally run barrels since the early 60s, late 50s. And, and and it's generational, clear through. Yeah. Um, and you will see that in Wanda Bush's old breeding program, clear back into the 50s. Wow. Um, you'll see that in Firewater Flit's maternal side, clear back into the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, to me, the maternal on the stallion, the maternal on the mare, the, the great grandmother maternal i that's just what i base it on um Mm. i believe that there are families of horses that are very predisposed to certain types of training that fit certain people Mm -hmm. um there are certain mouths different horses have different mouths and and i believe that that's generational and i i just consider for me personally, I want an individual that is very user friendly mm-hmm. and very people oriented. Okay. Um, and from there, it, it it makes all of our jobs easier. Also, the one thing that I thought of is when you were just saying about getting your horses from futurity up to rodeo and your training style, it sounds really user friendly. Like I feel like if you're finished with the horse, anyone could come over that knows how to barrel race can hop on and probably make a really nice clean pattern just because of the user friendly of everything from your horses to your training. It sounds like it's all super user friendly, which again, like that's your end goal, right? That is my end goal, absolutely. Moving on. That's a good one. Uh, Oh, the one thing I did want to touch on is you just talked about some of the therapies and your whole team that you have. Can you discuss that a bit more? Like, is there anything really like a must-have therapy or must-have nutrition thing that you give your horses? Um, Well, for me, uh, I'll start with the nutritional aspect. Uh, I use Platinum Performance. Okay. Um, I believe in their products. Uh, I've used them for a long time. Uh, They are result and performance backed. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no question that they work. And and they have a variety of um, products for all spectrums of of our needs as competitors. 
Um, from from a feed standpoint, um, I am very much about keeping things simple mm-hmm. and the most natural as we can. Uh, very high forage, alfalfa and grass, with a limited amount of concentrate. And for my concentrates, I either use um, the Renew Gold Senior. Okay. Or I use the Blue Bonnet uh, um, Pro Care Equiline, and uh, those are my two concentrates that I use. Um, but my biggest part of my feed program is forage because these animals are 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 forage; they're grazers, mm-hmm. and I think that's extremely important um, to keep them as natural as possible. Yeah, and that doesn't really change for when you're at a competition. Like, you why would it? Missed. Why would you change your process? Yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> the process is the same whether you you're feeding, training. It's the same. You don't change it when you go on the road. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with so many girls is, and this is just a fact. They start winning, they start riding the horse less, feeding it more, petting it more, and then wonder un- and wonder why things fall apart. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You like love them more kind of and give them a break. What would you like recommend just because, okay, that's actually a really good point because I can see myself when I'm training a horse that isn't mine, I seem to do sometimes better with it because my mindset towards it, it's like I don't love the horse. Like I'm not giving it all the pets. I'm just treating it like a horse. I guess like what like what advice do you have for when you do have your one beloved pony? How do you keep that like that gap kind of when you do start winning? It's consistency. You yeah. have to keep in mind these are animals and everything with consistency is better. It doesn't matter whether you're working out yeah. Your eating habits. It's all about consistency. Yeah. Okay. So when basically when you're winning, you shouldn't really not saying you shouldn't change things, but you need to trust the process when you're so when you're losing and when you're winning, you want to still keep it. Wait a minute. What you're you just contradicted yourself when you're winning. You like, absolutely do not change things because your process is what got you to the winning. Mm-hmm. Why would you change your process? But do you change your process when you're losing? <laughs> no. It, it. Well, first of all, if you're you you figure out what's not working. Okay. Is my horse lame? Is my horse bleeding? Mm-hmm. Is my horse on too much feed? Mm-hmm. What was happening when he was working? What mm-hmm. was I doing, and what have I changed? Well, I don't ask that because I don't change things. Gotcha. And if I go, the the only time that I find that I ever have a lapse in performance is when I have a, a soundness issue. Okay. Because I don't change my feeding program. I don't change my training program. Mm-hmm. I keep things consistent. I ride my horses consistently. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing at the same place. So if something is working and then it falls apart, mm. I don't go get a bigger bit. Mm-hmm. I go to the vet. Right. I figure out, are we having an ulcer issue? Wait, my horse sat back at the trailer and hasn't worked since. I call the chiropractor. Yeah. Right. If and- you trust your training and you truly have your horse prepared, 
you don't doubt it when things fall apart. You figure out what happened. Yeah. Trusting yourself is a huge thing. Yep. Wow. I feel like <laughs> I feel like everything you're saying is just exactly what I personally needed to hear. And I hope others feel the same way. And you've honestly you've uh, definitely opened my brain to a lot more insight and a lot of like good questions and thoughts that I should be thinking about a lot more as far as my competition, being sure of myself and what I'm doing and everything else and just the horsemanship aspect. There's just been so much good wisdom and I appreciate you so much for spending the time. If you have one key, I guess we've already talked about it, but just one final note that you could give everyone that's listening, one piece of advice, one final farewell to get everyone where they should be to be their best selves and best riders, what would it be? Follow your process. (laughs) Learn a process and don't expect immediate rewards from it. Take the time, follow the process, prepare your animal, train your animal the way you plan to compete, and don't waver. Mm -hmm. Don't waver. Yeah, love it. That is great. Wow. Well, I want to thank you so much, Kelly, for uh, spending this time and doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you. Yeah, you did share, and this has been honestly a great conversation. (laughs) 